It's a yeah. trust builder. You know, every relationship is based on trust. Every relationship, friendships, uh, romantic relationships, business partnerships, customer relationships, everything's built on trust. Today's guest, full circle moment for me, is the one and only Travis Chapel. Travis, I truly am a huge fan. Thanks so much for being here, man. Hey, dude. Thanks so much for uh, thanks so much for letting me up come on the show. I can tell that you actually follow my stuff because you pronounce my name right. So appreciate you. <laughs> I really do. I I'm really am a huge fan, man. Uh, Travis, you're a master connector and a great communicator. You're the host of two podcasts, Build Your Network and Travis Makes Friends. And you've interviewed some amazing guests like Shaq, Grant Cardone, Ed Mylett, Paul Pierce, and so many more. You explore entrepreneurship, business strategies, specific podcasting strategies, social media strategies, networking, and life-enhancing concepts like not being afraid to fail, being a product of your environment, and allowing yourself to freaking go for it. You run an awesome Facebook group called Podcast to Profit, which I'm a member of, and you're also the founder of Guestio, an online resource that allows you to find and book top-tier podcast guests. Gee, let's go. Uh, your personal website is travischapel.com, also guestio.com, and your IG is at Travis Chapel. Let's go, Travis. Yo, dude, you make me sound like I'm do more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, first of all, I just got to start by saying thank you because I am not just a fan, but I'm a student of yours, man. And I just over the years has been watching what you've been doing, and it's just been super inspiring. So I like to start my podcast uh, with this same question. I, well, it's a similar question you like to you like to have, but what does inspired living mean to you, Travis? Mm, I guess um, you know, inspiration is something that has to come from within, and I think a lot of people don't. A lot of people never find that thing that gets them, you know to go do things in the world. And, and a lot of people just let life happen to them instead of choosing to go live life. And I think that has to do a lot with a lack of inspiration. There's, there's no, there's no greater or deeper reason to go find something. There's no, it, it's this like plague of complacency that overtakes most people um, because they're, they're directionless, they're ambitionless. There's nothing that they're shooting for, nothing that they're hoping for. And uh, some people, it's just pure lack of desire. Some people it might be lack of opportunity. Some people, it might be uh, they they you know their 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 background, socioeconomic background, where they grew up. They don't believe that it's possible. They don't believe that it that they can get out of the situation they were born into or the situation that they're currently in. And so, they, there's zero inspiration to go do or change or fix anything because they don't believe that it's possible. They can't see the link in between where they are and where they want to go. And uh, so I think living an inspired life, man, is just um, doing something that wakes you up every day and makes you excited to go figure out how to win. Man, what a beautiful answer, man. Um, you know, you've inspired me over the years because I, I, I kind of made a foray into this world of podcasting and I've watched you do it. And you just seem so inspired when you are behind that mic in front of that camera doing your thing. And it's inspiring, man. Like, you know, sometimes as podcasters, we don't hear it, right? We put our yeah. stuff out there and it, we just put it out there. But when we hear it back, it's it's pretty cool, right? And so I'm just telling Absolutely. you, podcaster to podcaster, man, what you're doing is inspiring. I mean, what you're doing right now and how you're doing it with all these platforms that you have and really uh, the way you do it. Right. That's the mama mentality. I know we're both Lakers fans. You know, the mama mentality is it's not how you it's not what you do. It's how you do it. Yeah. And to me, you know, watching you, how you you do your thing is super inspiring, man. So just leads me to my next thing. Like, how do you stay inspired through specifically through podcasting? That, dude, that's actually a really appropriate question right now. So you mentioned at the beginning, I, I want to give like a little bit of a clarifying yeah. um, statement here. Sure. So, uh, so I started my show back in 2017. It's called Build Your Network, all about building relationships and how to connect with people that seem like they're impossible to connect with and how to actually build, you know, friendships, with those people. Um, and then basically what ended up happening, dude, was like the last probably 12 months leading up to maybe two months ago, I was not inspired to create content anymore. It, it was, 
I was, I was at the point where I was focused so much on the business side of things. So when I started everything, I was just a door-to-door sales guy and I wanted to learn how to make money online. That's why I started the podcast to begin with, but I didn't have a business. You know, there wasn't really a business. I was kind of doing freelance coaching. It was like, Hey, uh, here's my podcast. It started doing like decently well, not phenomenal, not great, just like, okay. Right. And that was enough for most people to be like, Hey, how did you get your podcast to be okay? Cause I started one and it sucked. So I basically started doing kind of freelance coaching and, uh, and then started finding holes in the industry that, that could be filled with a potential product or service, which is what led to Guestio, which led to my marketing agency and everything that I have now. Um, but at the time I wasn't planning on doing any of that. I was just hmm. podcasting because I loved podcasting. And then I got so caught up in like, hey, let's build the business. The business is going well. It's like, oh, we're, 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 you know, doing seven figures now. And we have this cool app that we built and we have these partners that are cool. And we raised over a million dollars for the software venture. And like all these things were, were going well, but it took so much time away from um, my ability to create and, and, and put out really good content. So I basically just started taking inbound leads on that. I wasn't doing a ton of guest outreach. I was doing interviews that just, I, I had my producer come on and start taking 60% of my interviews off my plate because I just didn't want to do them anymore. I was frankly, just, there was a, a complete lack of inspiration in the podcast. And it got to the point, dude, where it was just like listener numbers started shrinking. Um, guest quality overall was going down instead of going up. Um, and it was just sucking energy away from me and not really giving me anything. And so I almost shut it down, like, you know, end of 2022. Really? And yeah. And then it just got to the point where I was like, what do, and, and anytime I'm, you, you, you get trapped in these like funks where you're, you're, you're in the trenches yeah. and when you're in the trenches, you can't see the 30,000 foot view. Like if you, if you're stuck in the trenches too long, sometimes you got to get up and take a pass over on the blimp, you know what I mean? So you can like see the whole picture. And so I kind of did that, took a step back and was like, what do I really want in five years from now? And I wrote out, you know, in five years, this is what I want. It was like in paragraph story, bulleted form. What do I want my typical day in five years from now to look like? And it's still very, very much included the idea of having this big podcasting brand where I can talk to people that I want to talk to and create content that interests me. And so it was just like, well, if I'm going to do that, eventually you may as well do that right now. So instead of shutting it down, I basically decided I need to bring in a big hire in my business to take off a lot of the, the, the workload for my plate so that I can get back into doing the things that I'm uniquely qualified to do, which would be creating content, but creating content that actually inspires me and therefore inspires other people again. So right. um, that was this whole, so we did this whole re was like a three month countdown to this rebrand and relaunch. So now the new show is called Travis makes friends. So build your network became Travis makes friends. Got it. Got it. Travis makes friends is now on the, it's on the same RSS feed. Got you. Uh, network. So Builder Network is no is no more, uh, which was kind of a weird uh, moment for me because I, uh, I you know, I did 800 episodes of that show and it was like the first thing I ever did in the space and allowed me to talk to a lot of my heroes. And it was kind of like a weird, like put this to rest. It served its purpose moment. Um, but yeah, dude, it was like, uh, hey, this is no longer inspiring me, but I still know that if I zoom out in five years, I still really want to be doing this. So I have to change something that I'm doing now, or I'm just going to end up getting frustrated. It's just going to go to shit. Nobody's going to listen to it, including me. So um, we rebranded it, relaunched it, changed the name, um, and, and brought into the scope of the things that we can talk about on the show, um, which, uh, which allows me to go talk to, again, like do more guest outreach, talk to the people I really want to talk to, have conversations with uh, comedians or athletes or entertainers, or, you know, a lot of people that are outside of just like the business world, uh, which is what I was, you know, really entrenched in for five years. So yeah, it's actually a pretty appropriate question for right now. <laughs> well, man, appreciate you clarifying that. I mean, cause I'm a huge fan of build your network, but I'm also a fan of, um, uh, friend, what is it? Uh, Travis makes friends. Yeah. Travis makes friends. Sorry. Yep. You know, and I just listened to your Paul Pierce, uh, interview the other day. Oh yeah. Dope. Yeah, man. That was a great interview. I, I loved how we talked about, um, um, no fear of failure. And I love that. You know, mm. I mean, that's relatable to anyone in any industry, right? No matter what we're doing, right? Like, absolutely, it's okay to fail, right? It's it, it, like, as long as you get back up and keep going and, and learn something from it, I think that's, a, you know, we should as sp specifically as entrepreneurs, right? Like, we have to be able to be okay with failing. Yeah, well, know? it's not even be okay with it. It's like, get familiar with it. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it's not a matter right. of if, it's a matter of when. Right, right, right literally part of the journey that's the it's the barrier to entry i used to used to look at it like you know hopefully i'll get lucky and i'll succeed and i won't have to deal with failure and it's like 
every single person that I know that has any sort of measure of success has an equal amount or potentially even more failures. Right. You know, even if it's initiatives within that same business or product lines that they launched that they wasted hundreds of thousands of dollars on or real estate deal that they lost $3 million on, like everybody takes an L, you know, it's like taking L's is a sign that you're playing the game. Right. And I mean, like if you're, if you're, if you're only winning, it tells me that you're like not taking enough swings. This episode is brought to you by new sponsor of the show, Ready Fit Go. Ready Fit Go is a new meal prep company based out of Hermosa Beach, California, and they offer delicious and nutritious pre-made meals that cater to everyday people, athletes, and entrepreneurs. If you're like me, taking time to go to the grocery store to cook and do meal prep in a healthy way can be a challenge. Ready Fit Go provides a great solution to this challenge as they offer over 70 options from hot meals to salads to desserts to snacks and they offer a wide range of choices for all types of dietary needs ready fit go is offering within the game listeners 30 percent off their entire menu go to rfghealthyfoods.com and use code game 30 that's capital g lowercase a m e the number 30 for the discount also if you are near hermosa beach you can check out their store in person to see all their options they are located at 1025 Pacific Coast Highway in Hermosa Beach, California. Thank you, Ready Fit Go, for sponsoring the episode. Let's go! You're not stepping up to the plate often enough, you know, and your wins are going to be really, really few and far between, and they're going to be smaller and smaller as you go because you have no momentum. Success loves speed. You know what I mean? So, like, if you're going to be taking a lot of swings, then you want to do it. You want to you want to get up to your next at bat as quickly as you can, you know, so that you can implement the things that you learned from your last time at bat without losing all that information, you know, like the data is only as good as your ability to use it to prevent yourself from making those mistakes again. And failure is just real time feedback to help you win. Mic drop. Um, I want to talk about the game of podcasting. You know, I know everyone asks you this. So, you know, I appreciate you taking the time to talk about it. But you have just taken this game and you you run with it, right? I know you, uh, we can talk about John Lee Dumas, you know, shout out EO Fire, um, but you know, your experience with that. But before we get into specifics, I just wanna know like how you found it. Because for me, it was kind of on by accident. It was, I was writing this book and I was doing these Zoom interviews and I was like, man, these interviews are fire. Let me just post these and turn them into a podcast. Nice. Um, but I wanna know how you found it um, and, and what made you decide to run with it and yeah. like play the game? Yeah. So for me, it was a, uh, I kind of mentioned before I was, I was a door-to-door sales guy. I, uh, you know, didn't have any, anything else in my resume. I had a unaccredited Bible degree, uh, from college. So it was as useless as the paper it was printed on. And I was a door-to-door sales guy. So my only real skill was sale, like sales, door-to-door sales in particular, direct sales. And I uh, was trying to get like a corporate sales job. I was like, I don't want to knock doors anymore. I I, I want to like move into this next phase of my career because I want to be knocking doors when I'm 40. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just didn't want it. So I couldn't get a job, bro. I couldn't get a job. It, it was wild to me because at the time I was like, if I was one of these sales managers and I was looking at me, like I was a 22 year old kid that just pulled six figures, knocking a hundred percent commission sales. Like I, I would have been fraught, like, like frothing at the mouth to hire me mm-hmm. if I were a regional sales manager, you know what I mean? Like I'd be looking at like, Oh, this kid is a hustler. He's closing deals, a hundred percent commission door to door. If we give him a company car benefits and a salary and a bunch of company leads, imagine what he's going to be able to do. That was my thought going into it. But just because I didn't have experience that they wanted me to have or whatever bullshit, you know, metrics they made up for themselves inside of the organization, nobody would give me a job. So it was like a rock bottom moment for me where I was like, man, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Do I really, am I really just going to knock doors? Like what, what am I going to, like, I didn't, I don't have any access to opportunities. I didn't know any millionaires or, you know, I didn't know any multimillionaires, let alone just like somebody who made a million dollars in a year and have any relationships like that, like, like nothing to go off of. And so um, when I started the podcast or when I found podcasting, it was just kind of like out of desperation to learn. I was just eager to learn something. I was looking, I was, I was eager to find, uh, something that I could do to, to, to live the life that I wanted to live. 
And uh, so I started, you know, reading books, listening to audiobooks, watching YouTube, and then came across podcasts. And I just really liked the medium a lot. I, yeah. I liked, um, I liked the conversational nature. I liked that I could put in my my earbuds and like go do other things while I was listening to something. And it's like I was never a big YouTube guy, so I never like sat down and watched YouTube interviews or whatever. I just liked, I liked that I could throw it on, go to the gym, throw it on, clean the house, do whatever, you know. And so I started being an avid consumer of podcasts, and I listened to John's show, Yo Fire. Let's go. And, um, and then took the free podcast course. And then like almost a year after I took that, like right when I took it, I was like, I want to do this. Cool. And I wrote out a plan and then I didn't do any of it. <laughs> so then I did what every serious person does. And I invested into myself because when you pay, you pay attention. That's just flat out, bro. I took a free podcast course, did nothing. I hired a coach for $4,000, which is more money I spent on anything ever up to that point. Like for any, anything similar to that. Yeah. Bet your ass, dude. I'm, I'm launching a podcast. Cause I spent, I spent $3,900 on this. You know what I mean? At the time that was a lot of money for me, you know, and then I spent $6,500 to go to a mastermind at John Lee Dumas's house. And then I, paid for a website. And then I paid for this event because you got to go to the event. You got to go meet people that are doing the thing that you're doing. You got to go get out of your comfort zone and meet people who are doing the thing that you want to do at a level that you can't understand yet. You got to go get around those people. You got to make those sacrifices if you truly want the result that you say that you want. So dude, by the end of the first year, I had a $42,000 credit card that I had. It was 0% interest, $42,000 limit that I pulled out. And that thing was full by the end of my first year, 42 grand in coaching, masterminds, events, you know, travel, hotels, airplanes, like anything that I could do to absorb more information about how to be successful in this thing. Because for me, it wasn't a matter of like, let me test this podcasting thing out for a month or two and see how it goes. It was like, a, I want that end result so bad that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get there, no matter if it costs me $42,000. So I never paid a dime in interest on that credit card. I paid it all off before I had to start paying interest. Let's go. And with money from, from knocking doors and with money from podcast coaching, which I just started laying down on the balance of the card. Um, and so when, when I started my show, like it was just like, a, I think I can make this podcasting thing work. And I had no idea how or when it was going to happen. Um, and then, you know, one thing led to another, start doing masterminds yeah. and courses and I get coaching and I get consulting all around kind of podcasting content, all that world. Um, and then did software, created an agency, crossed seven figures with that, launched the show re or relaunched the show and, and now launching a new show. So yeah, a lot of stuff has happened uh, since I launched, since I launched the show. But the only reason I came across podcasting to begin with was just like, I was desperately trying to learn. I, I was just eager to find a path forward. Uh, that I could implement in my life so that I could end up where I wanted to end up. Man. And for the audience who might be like, who's John Lee Dumas? I just need to say something about him personally, right? Because, you know, my path as an entrepreneur, I listen to EO Fire every day for a while, right? Mm -hmm. And and EO Fire, I think he started in 2012. Am I right? Uh, yeah, 2012, I think. Yep. Yeah, right around there. And so during that part of my life, that was kind of before podcasts were a thing. I think Joe Rogan didn't even start yet. And yeah, there was, a, yeah, not not very many. That's for damn sure. Yeah, it, it wasn't a big thing. But I remember driving in my car, listening to JLD. And and he, he not only did his content, but his guests and the inspiration of how he talked about his revenue. He shares his revenue. I think he still does. Still does, yep. I mean, you talk about, you know, um, light at the end of a tunnel, you yeah. know, I, I mean, that to me blew my mind, bro. And yeah, for I'll the totally. audience, yeah, yeah. Just real I got quick. into it. Right. And for the audience, I mean, we're talking, he, he publishes, he publishes his revenue for his podcast. We're talking 200 grand a month minus, I'd say what, maybe 30, 40 grand in expenses. So he's was, walking yeah. with 160, 170 a month. I was going to say the, the most beautiful thing about his income reports is his profitability. It's wild. Unmatched even like most people, like if you're don't, if you're not in business, you don't understand like most businesses, 
depending on the business, obviously, if you're like really expense heavy, like manufacturing, you're running at like a five to 7% profit margin. Like if you're maybe in coaching or an agency, you're probably like, if you're lucky, 30%, 35%, you know, anywhere from 25 to 35%. If you're really good, maybe 40. John's running his business at like a 75% profit margin. (laughs) You know, like he just, so like in order to make as much actual profit as he's making every month, most businesses would have to be doing closer to, you know, he's doing two, two and a half million a year, but pocketing like 1.8 to 2.1 or whatever, you know, most people to make that kind of profit, they're gonna have to be running a 10, $12 million business. Exactly. Make as much money as he makes, make doing a $3 million business. So yeah, that was wild when I started really like dissecting. I was like, how much is money is this dude making for what mm-hmm. podcasting? That's exactly. crazy. I didn't know that that was possible. Exactly. From his home in Puerto Rico. Right. And so, yeah. So like to me, that just was eye opening. And now, you know, two years into my project, you know, I'm realizing that this is a platform, like something I can offer, like this is what I offered to, to you, right? This is what you can offer to your guests. And, you know, it's, um, it, it's, it's very powerful, because also, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Podcasting is also, um, it's also, it's a pre-qualifier for someone coming into your business, right? If yeah. they listen to your content, you know, now they're like pre-qualified, they like know that you can create a relationship with them prior to meeting. Right? Yeah, it's a it's a trust builder, man. It's a yeah. trust builder. People, you know, every relationship is based on trust. Every relationship, friendships, uh, romantic relationships, business partnerships, customer relationships, everything's built on trust. You know, there's a study that they did, I don't know, a few years back that was trying to see how, how long it would take for uh, a woman to be comfortable sleeping with a man, like during the dating process. Mm-hmm. And they found it was, it was either six or seven hours was the, was the number. Hmm. And what was interesting about it is like, it didn't matter how quickly or delayed those hours were distributed. It could be an hour a day for seven days. It could be seven hours in one day. It could be, you know, 30 minutes a day for 14 days spread over two months. The fact is, is like most people have this barrier with, with, with strangers and the more time you spend with them, the more that barrier gets taken down. And then it's even exaggerated in the context of a podcast, in my opinion, because, because value expedites the trust creation process. And so if you're, if somebody listens to my show for an hour or two hours, listen to two, three episodes of my show, I think that happens at a much condensed period of time because you're also receiving value from this conversation. You're getting something that you can implement in your life, see an immediate change and then go, boom, that worked. You know what I mean? And so like, if that person listens to you talk about this particular subject matter, they implement something from your show and it works for them. And they got all of that for free. Like, and there's uh, 800 more episodes for them to listen to if they never paid me another dollar. Right. Like those people tend to be the best customers because they already know you, they already like you, they already trust you. The only thing that you have to do then is deliver a product that actually does what you say it will do. And they'll be really happy about it. Right. Would you say we're in this generation? I th- I think we're in this generation of podcasting more and more because I feel like pe- more and more people are like realizing everything you just said, right? That that value proposition, like that this relationship building, this networking opportunity, this platform presentation. Here, I have a platform. Do you want to come on? Like that, all that stuff is so powerful. I, I feel like it's like the age of podcasting right now. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of people are just starting to just more and more people continue to realize the power of it. And everybody goes, well, you know, there's so many podcasts, everybody has a podcast. And it's like, it's so, it's such a funny argument to me. It's like, well, yeah, there's 2 billion people on Facebook, but you're still on Facebook. There's a (laughs) billion and a half on Instagram. You're still on Instagram. There's over a billion on TikTok. You're still on TikTok. There's almost 40 million YouTube channels and you still started a YouTube channel. You know, you have a blog, there's 500 million blogs, but everybody starts a blog, you know, there's half a million books that are written every year, but everybody still writes a book. It's like, why is it that podcast podcasting is looked at as this one thing that exists that like, oh, it's too saturated. When in comparison to all of those things, you know how many total podcasts there are? Four million. That's one-tenth of the YouTube channel saturation. One one-hundredth of blog saturation. You know what I mean? Like, why are we so afraid of the podcasting? And the crazy thing is there's 4 million indexed total podcasts. 
less than 200,000 of them are actually actively releasing episodes in the last 30 days. That's crazy. That's a lot of white space to play in. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So, you know, I think it's just a myth people tell themselves because they know it's going to be work, you know, and because starting a podcast is work and it, it is, it is a work. period of time. It the is. The question is like, when you look in five years from now, would you rather have started a podcast in five years from, you know what I'm saying? Like anybody I talk to is like, if you could go back in time five years and start a podcast, would you do it? And like, oh yeah, of course. Well, <laughs> right. don't you think the five, five years version, five years from now self is going to look at 2023 version of yourself and go like, man, you could have started a podcast in 2023. Now there's 34 million of them instead of 4 million. Imagine if I would have started one back when there was only 4 million, but people look at that now and go like, oh, I, I would have started one if I could have done it when there was only you know, 200,000, but now that there's 4 million, it's just too many, you know, it's like, well, well that yeah. logic is flawed. It's just going to continue growing and compounding over time, especially because like the entire generation like ahead of us, once they're like, you know, the next decade and a half, once it's like millennials are like the, like they're already the biggest buyers in the market. But once it's like millennials are the ones that are mostly consuming media and stuff like that, radio is basically going to be extinct. You know, like, I don't know, I don't have any friends that listen to the radio. Who listens to the radio? You listen to your Spotify playlist, you listen to Apple Music, you know, Shuffle or something like that. And then you listen to podcasts. Like that entire medium is going to be transformed into podcasting soon. So, you know, I, I just think that it's kind of, it's, it's a short-sighted thing, or it's just an excuse that people are using because they don't want to do the work and they know it's going to be a lot of work. In which case, fine, but just be like, nah, I don't want to do the work. Just say that. Don't say it's <laughs> Right, right, right. Well, it is a lot of work and I, I can say that, but it's also very fulfilling. I mean, without podcasting, maybe you and I don't connect, right? And so here that's we right. are. And so that's that's amazing. But the other thing I wanted to say on that point that you mentioned is it's creating digital real estate, right? It's creating right. a digital asset for yourself. Totally. And for me, I, I that was an eye-opening moment. I was like, especially for coaches out there in any industry, right? It's a, yeah. when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're in a service-based industry, you're serving your time, you're trading your time for money to, to also, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but to also include a digital asset on top of that, where someone can go home, everyone goes home from their service, right? The time is over, but then they can go consume your content, right? Mm -hmm. Now you're adding more value and creating that value add that you talk about a lot, um, you know, and, and that's why that, to me, that creates a content loop, right? Oh. Which... Yeah, you're, you're hitting on all the right points. As we're talking right now, me and you live, there's people listening to me talking. I know. As we speak. I know. I'm I know. not talking. That's but amazing. a version of me is over there talking to them. I, I heard somebody, uh, Pace Morby, um, who's a big real estate guy, um, explain it this way recently, and I'm, I'm going to start stealing it and using it all the time. Okay. <laughs> um, he said, he said, my job is essentially to create, to is is to create a clone building machine. And then he just kind of let it sit for a second. Everybody was like, what do you mean? You know? And he was like, my, the core thing that I do out of all the things I do, the one that drives them like is the biggest needle mover for me is to create little clones of me that exist on every app, talking to somebody at every given moment. And as many of those as I can create, they all are selling for me a hundred percent of the time. Even when I'm sleeping at 3 a.m., somebody in Bangkok is That's listening right. to a podcast episode of mine. You know, it's just like that only will compound as time goes on. Right. If you don't ever get into the game, it'll never happen. Right. But if you do get into the game, then you have like com cool conversations like this where like you and I can, like I've seen your, your face on social, but we've never connected before. Right, right, right. The only right. reason that we're on a conversation right now is because we're talking on a podcast. It's the excuse that you have to be able to have a conversation with me, even though you've consumed my content for like two years. And then it's cool for me to jump on and be like, oh, cool, this guy's actually a fan, like somebody that actually listens to the show, yeah. somebody that knows context about my story, knows some of the people that I've interviewed and like likes and values the content that I put together. What a cool moment to sit and like have a conversation with somebody like that. You know what I mean? Like, and as we do this right now, in three years from now, like January 18th, 2026, somebody's gonna be listening to this episode. Yeah. And we're both doing who knows whatever we're doing at that point. You yeah, I mean? absolutely. I also know you're a, a Dallas fan, Cowboys fan. Come on, man. Come yes, on, sir. man. How can you be a Dallas Let's fan? Let's go, boys. LA, how? How? <laughs> <laughs>
I don't know, but they uh, they handed Tom Brady his ass this past weekend, so I'm pretty happy about that. <laughs> I would love to ask you the question that you ask everybody, which is this amazing question. Um, what's more, what's more important or what's more of a game, uh, more of a skill, um, who, you know, or what, you know, yeah, it's a good question, dude. I, it's kind of been an evolution. I think one day I'll write a book on, on this topic because, um, when I started my show building network, there was, I scripted out 30 questions cause I was terrible at interviewing. It was the first time I was ever interviewing. I didn't leave it up to chance. And I wrote out every single question I was going to ask. And I would just go from question to question to question. And one of the questions I wrote out was, 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 do you believe who you know or what you know is more important and why? And I always thought that most people, like, I just always heard the phrase, who you know is more important than what you know. It's who you know, not what you know. I always heard that. So I just feared, like, everybody would agree with me. And then we would have, it would, like, set me up, like, tee me up for this conversation about pot or about networking that I could knock out of the park. And then when I started asking the question, it started to become the staple question on the show because I started getting responses that I just frankly wasn't expecting. And I get people say stuff like, you know, well, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. It's not who you know or what you know. It's what you know with who you know. And like, or some people just be like, no, it's what you know. I don't think it's who you know. I think it's what you know. And, and like, so it was just like this, this, this kind of um, controversial question that started getting asked to all of the guests that I, that I had on my show. And I was under the belief when I first started that it was like 100% who you know, no questions asked. And I was that way for a while. And then what I started to realize was that a lot of the people who had like, outsized success, like the billionaires that I was talking to, um, or the, the people worth multi nine figures, most of them would say what, you know, I, th I thought that was very interesting. Um, because all of them bet heavily on themselves and a certain skill set or competency that they mastered, but all of them would come back and say like, now, if that's all you have, you can still make a good living with that, but the who you know aspect is still extremely crucial and important. And then, uh, you know, I, I so like my my uh, personal opinion is I still think it's who you know, and it's because that's the best way that I know how to increase my what as well. Like, sure, you could go to school. Sure, you can read some books, watch YouTube, listen to podcasts, but there's just something about having a real genuine friendship relationship connection, whatever you want to call it with people who are doing business and life on such an exponentially higher level than you that forces you to level up. If you're willing to do the work, you can't just hang out with them and then all of a sudden be making $40 million. That's not how it works. Um, but if you're willing to do the work, then that's the fastest way to learn is by, it's like, it's like um, I always use this example because the most, like the most, like the easiest way I can explain it is like, I, I played a lot of uh, ping pong growing up. I, play, I played whatever I could play. I was just a competitive, I was a competitive dude. Mm -hmm. And so like, whenever we would get something, I started playing it. So we got a ping pong table when I was, I don't know, like 12 or 13. And my dad would kick my butt. He was just, he was just way better than I was. He played a lot in college and whatever. And um, uh, I was pretty good, like against my friends, but my dad would come in and just destroy me. But I started playing with my dad from like ages 13 to 15. And I got pretty good really fast. So like he was beating me all the time. And then it was like, ooh, I want a game. And it was like, oh, I want another game. And then it was like, oh, I want a game. And it was a lot closer than the last game that I won was with the previous game. You know what I mean? So, and then it got to the point by the time I was 15, dude, like we were pretty much the same skill set. Like it, it was just matter of circumstance who won that game. So it wasn't a matter of like, how long you've been playing because my dad been playing way longer than I was playing. You know, it was, it, it was, it was more of a matter of how quickly can you level up because of the skill that you're acquiring and the knowledge that you're acquiring from this other person who's been doing this for way longer than you've been doing it. And what was interesting is that my dad and I both now, if we played together now, we would both be about the same skill set as him and I were when I was 15 because neither one of us went and found somebody that was exponentially better at it than we were. So we would get better if we practiced together, but only incrementally. Yeah. I got really good exponentially because I played with somebody that was exponentially better than I was. So I could learn at an exponential rate right? Um, with real time feedback from somebody who was much better. And so I use that illustration because it works no matter the scenario, you're trying to get to hundred million dollars. Well, if you're talking to somebody who's doing 300 million a year, like they're going to look at one thing in your business and go like, Oh, it's that. 
you know, because they just have such a vast amount of information and knowledge sure. to work off of that they can just, they, they, they have the ability to look at what you're doing and go like, you're not going to get there with that. Like, oh yeah, that's cool that you want to do hundred million dollars, but the total addressable market on that, on that is just not going to allow you to scale. You have to either offer new products or you have to jump into a different industry or you have to use a tangential service. You're not going to be able to, to scale to that, to that dollar amount with what you're currently doing. Like it's just impossible. The market won't accept, you know, the growth. And it's like, oh, well, I would have never known that. You know, like I would just still be trying because because when you're an entrepreneur, you get so in the weeds and in the trenches and you're working so hard and like, and you've had some success. If you're doing 8 million a year, you know, like it's really easy to get in your head and be like, I know what I'm doing because you're doing better than most people. But if you're trying to get to 100 million and you're doing 8 million, you don't know how to get there. So going in and, and hang out with somebody who maybe, who, who, like I said, is doing 300 million, not somebody who did 100, 100 million one time, but somebody who's doing 300 million, 400 million, like they can look at it and go like, oh yeah, well, your, your, your offering isn't scalable. You know, like you're, you're, you're too, you're too cost intensive. By the time you decide, like by the time you try to attack this new market, you're going to run out of marketing dollars and you're no longer be profitable. It's not viable to like move to that level. You know what I mean? Like the, the, if you play with people, if you hang around with people that are that much better than you, you're going to learn at such a high exponential rate, which will always increase the what. So it's this loop that keeps fitting each yeah. other. Once yeah. you get better and you acquire more skills and more competencies, it's much easier to connect with people. And then the more higher level people you connect with make you better at the skills that you have, which make it easier to connect with more people. It's like this thing that kind of keeps feeding each other. It's like a who you know, what you, lo what you know loop. But if it's me and I'm telling like a young kid, 17 year old, eight, 16, 18, 19 year old, and I'm giving them advice to be like, hey, should you spend the next, you know, uh, 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 10 years working on this thing or trying to get around people who can help you work on that thing, I would say, get around people that can help you work on that thing. Like go work for somebody, even if it's for free, you know, Hey, I want to get really good at whatever sales or writing copy or buying ads or podcasting or whatever the skill set is. Go find somebody who's doing it on the level that you want to be doing it on and then do whatever you can to be around them. Work for yeah. free. See if you can get a paycheck out of it. If you can, that's a bonus. But like, you're not trying to make money when you're 19. You're trying to learn skill sets and create core competencies and then get around people who can help you learn and, and grow. You know what I mean? Like once you get into your thirties and like, once you're getting your thirties and forties, it's the stacked skills from your twenties and thirties that will help you to be able to receive outsized returns on your time. You can't just have, it can't just be one. It's gotta be like, it's the skill stack. You know, it's like, for me, I started with sales. That was the first thing I ever learned because I did door to door, you know, we're really, you know, I, I grew up in the church and I spoke on stage a hundred plus times before I was even in college. So oh, I guess cool. really the first skill, if you rewind would be like public speaking or communication and then door to door phase, I learned how to sell. And then podcasting phase, I learned content. And then I created a course and did coaching. And so then I had to learn marketing. And then I started a software and then I had to learn fundraising. And then, and then all of that, the one thing that tied all of them together was networking and asking good questions. So like when you, when you like e each one of those skills, I'm not good enough at any of those single skills to claim this, like I'm the best at this game. There's a lot of other people you can learn sales from. There's a lot of other people you can learn relationships from. There's a lot of other people you can learn podcasting from, you know, but when you like couple all of these things into one conglomerate skill stack, then at that point, it becomes like it starts becoming formidable. And that's my goal in, in my 30s is like to keep adding to that skill stack to keep deepening the skills that I currently have, and maybe add one or two additional skills. So by the time I'm 40, I can basically not worry about like ever, like, I'll, I'll never have to worry about money again, by the time I'm 40, basically is the goal. But that's cool. That's the power of stacking those skills and being purposeful about it. So I know this is the longest uh, uh, answer ever to that question, <laughs> but all to me, it comes back to who you know, but not at the expense of what you know, because there's a lot of people mm -hmm. I know that I, I see them all the time at all these circles and all these things, but they never earn a seat at the table. So you can buy a seat at the table, but if you don't earn it, you can't stay there. Does that make sense? Like a lot, like a lot of people I've been with, man, they, they buy into the coaching, they buy into the masterminds, they, they, they take the initial action, but because they never prove that they deserve that seat, they're not there anymore. So you can't rely fully on who it's right. gotta be a combination of the two, unless your entire business is who, 
right? Because some people make a living on who it's like talent managers or, um, or, uh, uh, you know, PR executives or, or some of these people, like they make money connecting people to other people. And that's like their entire job. And in that case, their who, you know, is their what as well, you know, cause they got so good at the connecting piece. So, you know, the, it's, it's a nuanced answer is really, is really the answer, but I, I, I would, you know, as a broad general statement, tend to always go with who, you know, and to me, dude, it's like the final cherry on top for that argument is like, I would rather at the end of my life, make a little bit of less, a little bit less money, but have more high quality relationships with cool people. Because like, that's part of the fulfillment aspect of life is like enjoying experiences and doing cool shit, but having awesome people there with you along the way to experience those things with, um, because you know, what's success for if it's by yourself. Let's go Travis. I mean, man, um, what a beautiful answer to a beautiful question, you know, and which is your question that I flipped <laughs> back to you. Um, and I love, I love what you said. It's, it is both, you know, and, and just my response, my brief response to all that is, I think it's, I think, you know, finding the people, the people that can really support you can fast track you, right? Like Grant Cardone was talking about that. He's like, if you want to fast track everything, you find the people. Yeah. You still learn the stuff. You still create the skill sets, but find the people and yeah. that fast tracks you, right? You can save time, you know, Absolutely. And, and which the whole, this whole question, which I really love that you ask everybody it's, it's case in point for podcasting, right? Cause that's now we're doing both. We're yeah. sharing ideas and we're connecting and creating a, a relationship, which is great, mm -hmm. you know? So no, I, I love it, man. I, I think it's great. And I, I encourage you to keep asking that question because it does uh, spark a really cool conversation you know, um, and it actually, it kind of leads into this whole thing of differentiation, right? Because that is a way that you can differentiate yourself. Uh, one of the ways I do that is talk about inspiration, right? Motivation and this whole world of, of stay inspired to me. That's the message I've tried to bring forward. But what's your advice and your recommendations or, or any tips on, on how other podcasters can differentiate themselves? Yeah, dude, to me, it's, at this point, what we're really trying to do, and again, ask me, ask me in a year from now, see how it's going. You yeah. Because I don't want to speak from a place of like we've done it and figured it out. When this is like just this like a test that we're running, but it seems to be working so far. Yeah. Our goal this year is focused a lot more on creating more of a show than like just having a podcast. So, having a podcast used to be enough to differentiate yourself. Now, like there are a lot of podcasts out there, again, nowhere near as many as there are a bunch of other different mediums. Um, but there are a lot of podcasts out there. And so if you want to continue to differentiate yourself, you have to go create this kind of blue ocean for yourself and build more, sh build more show like content, ask yourself, yeah. like, what would Jimmy Fallon do? <laughs> right, what right, would right. Oprah do? What would Ellen do? Like, there's a reason that these talk shows are massive. You know what I mean? And there's, there's millions and millions of people that tune into them. So uh, like start asking yourself, what can I do to create more of a show? You don't want it to be television like, cause that's not what podcast format is, right? The most highly, I actually don't really listen to a lot of really highly produced podcasts. In fact, I don't think I listen to any highly produced podcasts. I tried to once or twice and I was just like, let them talk. You keep interrupting them to do this narration and have that cool music come in. But like, that's not why I'm listening to the podcast. That's like, a, that's TV show format. I don't want that. So I think you still got to respect the format, but just make it more interesting. You know, come to like, so one, one thing that, one thing that you did, that's a differentiator. You didn't just read my media bio. You had written something out that was based on knowledge that you had combined with things that you probably Googled before this. Like that is one thing that maybe took you five minutes, 10 minutes, but it's enough to differentiate yourself as a host because most people just go, Oh, where's your media bio? Okay. Let me just read that off verbatim and I'm going to mess up four times, but I'm just going to keep going. Cause it's not that big of a deal. And I did mispronounce your name, but whatever, you know what I mean? Like that's the difference between like, I have a show versus like, ah, oh, yeah, I got a podcast. You know what I mean? So I, I look for ways to find a show, add a new segment in, ask silly questions or something fun or get better stories out or, you know, uh, put in some more commentary at the end, like do something that makes it a little bit more interesting. That gives you a little bit of an edge, put two guests in one episode, put like cut it up in an episode and then have one 45 minute guest and one 10 minute guest, or like, you know, just to toy around with the format, man, have some fun with it, make it a show, you know, make it something interesting, make it a little bit different, make it a little bit unique. No idea is a bad idea until you test it and your audience tells you it's a bad idea. <laughs> right, right, right. Man, I love that. Love that. Uh, thank you for the acknowledgement too. I, I do, 
you know, and real quick about podcasting, one of the cool things that we as podcast hosts get to do is we get to research people, man. It's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Like I get to, I get to learn about people, you know, I love people and, and, you know, to, to learn about someone and to like frame what I know about that person and how it relates, right. Relatability is kind of a, a, a big deal in podcasting, but even in life, right. Relatability, it's like this, this, this uh, topic that's like, how does all that relate to me? Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Um, which actually leads me to this value add question, because I heard you, um, I heard this quote that you had, I think you were a guest, I, I want to say you were a guest on JLD when you said this, you said, you cannot add value while expecting something back, it has to be a value add without the expectation of receiving any value in return. Would yeah. love for you to unpack that a little bit. Yeah, because it's not a give. If you expect something back. Yeah, that's not a give. That's an ask. You know what I mean? So um, so Adam Grant goes deep into this. He has a book called Give and Take, which I recommend to anybody listening. And he basically outlines three types of reciprocity styles. You're either giver, taker, or matcher. And, you know, giver is somebody who gives without expecting anything in return. A taker is somebody who takes and hardly ever gives anything to anybody. And then the matcher is somebody who only gives if they can expect something of equal value in return or something at least similar value in return. And I think, uh, I think naturally before I read this book and before I started jumping into the space, I was more of a matcher. That did mm -hmm. just what made sense to me. It's just like, give a little bit, get a little bit, give a little bit, get a little bit. Let's help each other type of a thing. Um, the, the problem is it assumes that everybody has self-awareness, right? Which everybody does not have self-awareness. So, you know, I started getting people mad at me because they would come to me and be like, Hey man, let's collab. You know what I mean? Like you have me on your show. I'll have you on my show. And it was like, okay, I'm not opposed to that, but your show is like one eighth the size of my show. So I don't know you from Adam. Nobody introduced you to me that I trust. You're just a random person DMing me. Yeah. Like you're telling me your show is great and it'll be worth my time. I have zero other evidence that that's true. And I have a lot of demands on my time right now. So why would I give you my platform in exchange for your platform that's intrinsically currently in its current state less valuable? Right. That's not a no brainer to say yes to. And then I would say no to that and just tell people like, look, I, I wouldn't even, I told a couple of people, I was like, I wouldn't even bring myself on my show. <laughs> Frankly, like I wouldn't like I'm, I'm, I currently in my current state, I'm not good enough to be on my own show. Amazing. Luckily I'm the host. So I get to make the decision. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, I wouldn't interview me as a guest and my stuff is a little bit better than your stuff is. So why would I expose my audience to you when you're going to talk about the same stuff that I talk about? Not as good. You know what I mean? That's funny. Like in exchange for me to be like, just doesn't make any sense. Just say like, Hey man, I'd love to bring you on my show. And then if we connect and have a good time and then like there happens to be an opportunity in the future, then you can come on my show. Yeah. Great. You know, that that's like the, you come at me with the, like the matching stuff anymore. Like you just gave me homework. Cause now I have to go find, find out from a bunch of people that you mentioned in the, in the, in the thread is this guy legit? Is he serious? Is this worth my time? Like I have a lot of stuff to think about. Whereas before it was like, Hey, come on my show. Okay, cool. I'll, you know, let's schedule. Cause I'll go on the show because you know, why not? So it, it, it matching assumes that everybody has self-awareness and everybody does not have self-awareness. So the only real way to be successful long-term is to be the giver. And in that book, he outlines like of those three reciprocity styles, who ends up at the top of the success ladder in life and who ends up at the bottom of the success ladder in life. Interestingly enough, there's both takers and givers at the, uh, at the top of the success ladder. Wow. Um, or excuse me, at the, at the bottom of the success ladder. At the bottom, ladder. yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so there's givers at the top and then there's givers and takers and at takers, the bottom. Yeah. So it's like, you also have to be willing to switch up your reciprocity style for people that are takers. Because there's some people that just give and then they, they're just a doormat for everybody. Right. So you have, to, you have to also protect yourself. You have to be willing to say no every once in a while. You can't just give to anybody without expectation forever, even though they've proven to be a taker multiple times. So like, it's a little bit nuanced, but at the end of the day, like the only way that I know is going to benefit me in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, is just to give as much as I can to as many people as yeah. I can now and not expect anything in return. Um, I yeah, love as that. soon as you open that social contract, you open yourself up to disappointment and broken relationships because you're expecting something from somebody. And a lot of times you're not going to get it. 
And rightly so. Like they didn't agree to do anything. You're just expecting them to do something because you did something for them. And that's not the way to build relationships. Man, that is so valuable and so relatable to anyone in any industry. Uh, I appreciate that share. I know we're running short on time, but I just, I wanted to kind of ask you about a couple things, monetization um, for podcasting, social media strategy. If you want to combine those things together, just make it brief. Yeah, dude. So social strategy for me has become interview better people and try as often as I can to collaborate with those people. That's been our social strategy. Cut up five to 10 clips per episode, give them to them, make them as good as possible, make them look as good as possible, do them all in person for better content, and then ask them to share. That's literally been our social media strategy. Yeah. Uh, monetization is a different thing because like you're either going to get sponsors and run it like your show is the product, or you're going to build products and then have an audience that's going to buy those products. Um, so there's, I mean, that we could do an entire episode or three yeah, on monetizing right. podcasts because right. there's just no like complete direct path for every single type of situation. There's multiple ways to do it. There's creative ways to do it. There's obvious ways to do it. And it depends for every single person listening to this, what their goals are, um, where they see themselves in five years. Or do they have a business now? Do they want a business? Are they currently looking to do that? Like there, there's a lot of other questions that I would have around that to speak to it. But the answer is you can probably do it a lot more effectively and easily than you think you can. Yeah, no, I'd love to explore that more with you uh, another time. But uh, before I, I actually want you to spend some time on Guestio for a second. But before we do that, talk briefly about your vision for Web3 and what's coming specifically for digital real estate like podcasts, but also for other areas too. Web3, I mean, like virtual reality, AI, NFTs, blockchain integration, all that. How do you see like all that stuff fitting together specifically yeah. for digital real estate. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll answer this one, but I, I got to go right after. Yeah. This yeah. One yeah. Cause I got sure. a, a one thirty um, that I got to jump on, but got it. Um, I, I think AI is much more interesting than web three personally. Um, I think that it has a lot more potential to disrupt and change things. And we're already seeing um, applications of it like wiping out industries potentially. So I think that'll have a lot, like in the next five years to 10 years, we'll have a much greater effect on society as a whole than like NFT and crypt, NFTs and crypto will. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of interesting things there. I just think it's going to be a bubble. It's going to pop. And then we're going to get back to like, okay, what is the practical application? Just like what happened with, you know, web two with the internet, yeah. um, with the, uh, with the dot-com bubble that happened, you know what I mean? There's a lot of useless things. There was a lot of hype. And then once it all exploded in 98, 5% of the companies got, got, uh, exposed, then those 5% really became the rock, you know, the core of really what built the last 25 years. So I think it's going to be something similar to that where yeah. there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of people that pretend to understand it that don't understand it. And, uh, and so I think that, you know, that I think the practical application of that changing the way that we do business, changing the way that we live and operate, I think that's much, much further down the road, um, than most people currently think it is. Uh, but AI, I think is very interesting because it has the potential to change everything very, very quickly. Um, and, and it's already like, there's already practical applications of it right now today. So, right. All right, Travis, I got to let you run, but before I do that, just share how, how people can, um, you know, best connect with you or, or, yeah. you know, support you. Travischapel.com. It's kind of the hub. C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L. Travischapel.com. You can go over there, check out, um, you know, in my content, YouTube, podcast, all my social links, everything's uh, over Travischapel.com. Hey, I super appreciate you, bro. Thank you for the time, man. I'm looking forward to connect further. Appreciate you. Everybody, much love. Stay inspired, y'all.